and then we're going to have fun.
peace. It's like everything is functioning in one accord, how God designed it. We're going to see the shalom get rocked. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, ready for this? The earth is groaning, waiting for the Savior to return. And what the implications are, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the drought, it's all begging for a Savior to return. The earth is groaning. And then he says this, that you and I are also doing what? We're groaning. Oh, man, I hate watching the evening news. Is there ever any good news? Some of you are groaning in your marriages right now. Some of you are groaning with your kids right now. Some of you are groaning in the office place right now. Like, I hate my coworker. They're so selfish. They don't do their work. They're lazy. And the Bible is going to say it's the effects of the fall. It's sin entering the world. Now, here's the deal for you and I. We don't want to really face up to this right now, do we? Because in our heart of hearts, guys, here's what we know. Every one of us in this room, when we say that sin has broken the cosmos, every one of us in this room knows what? We are a part of it. You and I are a part of breaking the cosmos up. I'm not talking about recycling because we don't recycle. I'm not talking about that. It's our sin that has caused what? A brokenness in the cosmos. So here's what we do. We go to Andrew because he's a, okay, if you didn't know that, he's probably seeking new patients. All right, so anyway, business for you, buddy. So Andrew's a doctor, and let's say I'm having some pains in my stomach, and I go to Andrew to check in with him. What do I want Andrew to do right away? Fix it. Andrew, just fix it, man. Give me a, come on, a pill. Give me a pill right now, Andrew. Come on, buddy. Do it. Fix it now. That's what we all want. But Andrew, being a good doctor, what's he got to do? He's got to analyze me. He's got to do some data. He's got to run some tests to see what the data is saying. And then he's going to come back to me and say, Chris, here's the diagnosis of what's going on. And he's being a what in that moment? A good doctor. I don't think he is because I just want him to give me a pill so I can feel better. But he's being a good doctor because the diagnosis has to be there. Before what? Before I can tell you what we're going to do about it, Chris. And so in this, guys, we have to see the diagnosis. We have to see what's going on in our world. Anybody else in the, anybody else in the room feel like our world is broken right now? Please, chaos is happening. I was just talking to somebody outside the room about the movie The Joker. And how the what? Security's been heightened up because we're afraid of what? Somebody's going to come in and shoot the place up? And it was a reminder of me again, why do we have to have security? Because the world is broken. It's severed. And sorry, Pink, I hate to tell you it's not a little bit bent. It's broken. Every time I come to that lyric in her song, I'm like... Just a little bit bent. I'm like, no, it's broken, honey. Have you looked around you? It's broken. It's not bent. It's broken. And so we come to Genesis chapter 3. Let's read this together and let's see the brokenness that's going on. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, did he really say, did he really say, did, he, God, did God really say this? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we say this all the time, what was her first mistake? She listened to what he said. She should have looked at him and said, honey, shut up. My God's bigger than you. My God is greater than you. I'm going to listen to whom? My God. But she listened. She took heed to what he was saying. We may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. 
For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and like a moron, he did what? Ladies, you can nudge right now. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Shame had hidden their cosmos. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Listen to this. The first thing that went wrong was what? They quit depending on the source. The source was whom? It was God. Instead, they said, you know what? We think that we're smarter than God and better than God and that we could be like him, which was a whole other thing. You already liked him because you were made in his image, which is another lie the serpent told them, and they bought into it. And so they thought they could become, and so they partook. They went independent of the source of all life. And guess what? We do the same thing today. You and I think that we can do life apart from God. We all do it. Because you think you're smarter than God. You know more than God. You know how life should function and work. And so we go independent of God. We do our own thing. We depend on our bank accounts. I was just reading Ecclesiastes this week again. Everything is meaningless. From the wealthiest man on the face of the planet, Solomon. And he says, everything is meaningless. Because guess what? He says, in the end you die. And you can't take anything with you. It's all your wealth. In the end, it's gone. We depend on our job. We depend on our family. We depend on our boyfriend or girlfriend. We depend on our education. We depend on all sorts of things rather than depending on God. And for some of us, we're like Adam and Eve. All of us are. We don't, what? We don't depend on God's limits. He has set limits for us. He has said yes and no to certain things. But we go, God, you don't know what you're talking about. You're taking away my fun. You're a cosmic killjoy. By you having some rules, you're a cosmic killjoy, man. And God's going, man, I'm probably trying to protect you. And you have no clue. We were made to be dependent on God, and Adam and Eve decided to go rogue and do their own thing. We've had some friends this last few months have babies. This illustration just hits me. Uh, Aaron's cousin, Emma, just had her baby the other night. Woohoo! Ella has joined the world, and yet Ella today is what? She is dependent on whom? Mom and dad, I'm going to throw dad in there because I hope dad's changing the diapers. She's dependent right now. And God is like, that's how I made you. That's how I designed you. In fact, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says this way, and he said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Children are dependent on whom? Parents. And God is like, that's how I designed you, dependent on me. But somewhere it got broken in Genesis chapter 3. Let's keep reading. Verse 7, and the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I love God. He just sort of plays the game with Adam. And the man said, the woman you put me here with. She gave me some fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Uh Uh-oh. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? 
And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Man's relationship with God and with others was what? Broken. Broken. Everybody knows that. They walked perfectly in unity with God, and now all of a sudden they go what? They go hiding. When you and I sin, guess what our first reaction usually is with God? We hide. Shame has covered us. We don't want to come to church because God's at church, and I don't want to go to church because if the people at church found out how much of a sinner I am, what I've done, they'll never like me. Oh, man, you have no clue what I know. We're all jacked up. No amens to that? I'll say amen to that. I am jacked up. I've had a bad week. And for my first thing is I'm going to hide from God and then I'm going to hide from people, the people that maybe God has placed in my path that could help me along the journey. I'm going to hide from them because they know all the trash that's in my life. No one will ever accept me. God's going, yeah, you missed it. You missed it. It's the brokenness. It's the fall. But then we've also what? We've severed our relationships with one another. It's been a hard last few weeks for me personally. I'm watching some of my friends go through divorce right now. I'm watching marriages fall apart. And I'm sitting here crying out to God, please save marriages, and yet I'm reminded that what? Because of the fall, our relationships have been broken. I can't imagine what Adam and Eve felt before the fall, like everything was perfect in the relationship. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like your marriage was perfect? Like there was no griping or yelling at each other? There was no doing things to get your own way? You actually looked out for each other all the time? Anybody else want a marriage like that? That'd be awesome. It's a reminder that what relationships were severed in the midst of this intimacy with God and with others was severed in the midst of this. This is what happens. Did you, everybody notice this? What does Adam do? Why'd you put me with the woman? <laughs> I've heard that in marriage counseling a few times. Why did God stick me with them? Are you serious, God? And what did the lady do? The serpent did it. Isn't that what we do? We don't take ownership of our own sin. Somebody else did it. Somebody else tempted me. Somebody else did that. I then go, no, it was me. I made the decision. And that's what's happened in our relationships. So let's keep going. Verse 14. Let's do this. Keep it rolling. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We'll talk about that verse here in a moment. To the woman, he said, I will make pains and childbearing very severe. And all the ladies in the house said, boo, right? With painful labor, you will give birth to children. And your desire will be for your husband. Anybody notice that before the fall? They were looking out for whom? One another and now what? Your husband's going to rule over you and he will rule over you. And Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded to you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it. Anybody like your job? Anybody think work stinks? Like anybody have a day this week where you're just like, I wish I was retired. Anybody? Oh, yeah? God knows what he's talking about, guys. There are going to be days that, what, work is toilsome. It's, it's hard. It's painful. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you, were, you are, and to dust you will return." Next thing is what? Physical death is coming. 
And God introduces the curses amongst us. Because of man's fall, there are curses on your life and on my life. Welcome to the fall. And here in the movie theater, here's where I'm going, man, this stinks, this is awful. But I'm also waiting for what, guys? Redemption. Redemption is coming. Catch this, please, please, please. Redemption is coming. Verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Redemption. You're like, what? Redemption? He took a wild animal, he skinned it, and he put the covering on Adam and Eve. How is that redemption? It's a we call foreshadowing of what's going to come. First of all, let's go through this together. Anybody notice when Adam and Eve sinned, God did not bring death right away? What should God have done in that moment when they sinned? Lightning bolt, zap, bye-bye, have a good one, start over, let's do this thing again. God was gracious. Then he not only didn't do that, but then he did what? He walked with them in the cool of the garden. God does what? God comes down and he pursues man in the garden. Awesome news for you and me. Every world religion says this, you work your way to whom? God. Christianity says what? God pursues you. He comes after us. There is no God like him. Then he says this, the serpent, I will crush your head. There will be a woman and an offspring and I will crush your head. Who is he speaking of? Jesus Christ. Mary gives birth. Virgin birth, crazy, to a man who lived 33 years sinless, who dies on a cross perfectly for you and for me, and he crushes the enemy's head on that cross and through that grave. And then he says, I'm going to kill an animal, I'm going to cover you. Here's the, here's the thing about it, and every Jew knew, knew this, every, every human being knows this, it takes blood to what? To cover over something. Blood is life. If I were to suck your blood dry, I'm not a vampire, but if I were to suck your blood dry, what's going to happen to you? Come on, doctor, what's going to happen to him? Bye-bye. Blood is life, and so he kills an animal, and he's sacrificing, and he's foreshadowing. There's going to be one who sheds his blood, and he's going to cover over your sin and your shame. It's coming. Redemption's on its way. And we all, at this point in the movie, what do we do? Because we like redemption. Redemption's good. We all want the redemption story. That's why we stay up late watching Braveheart for three hours because redemption, freedom is coming. I love that part. Mel Gibson, when he gets stretched out and he yells, freedom, I'm like, yes, redemption. It's coming. Where's redemption in your life? And lastly, let's hit this, the restoration of all things. Anybody catch us at the end of chapter 3? This is amazing. I got excited. I got giddy all week on these last three verses. Ready? Let's unpack it real quickly. And the Lord God said, verse 22, that the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which which he had been taken, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, which are angelic beings, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way back to the tree of life. How many of you want happiness in this life? Okay, this is getting scary. If you don't want happiness in this life, pessimists in the room, fatalists in the room, how many of you want peace? How many of you want things to go back to the way they were in the garden before sin? Anybody want a perfect marriage? Come on, married couples? Everybody's looking at you like, I don't know. Perfect marriage? I take a perfect marriage, right? Everything's good? Everybody want the news to be all hunky-dory every evening? 
No more shootings, no more violence. Like the evening news, the corn today is growing quite well. Welcome to Ohio. And we all go, yay, corn. I got farmers over here. Yay, corn's growing well. Soybeans are up today. The Dow Jones is skyrocketing right now. Everybody's money is producing a lot. Welcome to the evening news. Weather, it's going to be sunny and 75 every day this week. Slight chance of rain in the evening, so everything keeps growing, but during the daytime, 75 and sunny. We all want it, guys. We all want it. And God is bringing about a restoration. Listen to me on this, though. Anybody catch the news that God banishes Adam and Eve from the garden? Anybody notice that? Come on, anybody notice? God banishes Adam and Eve from the garden, and we're all going, that's mean, God. Why wouldn't you let him back in? And God's going, grace. Grace. What happens in Adam and Eve because they've sinned now go back into the garden and they eat from the tree of life? What's going to happen, guys? Permanent death. The tree of life is eternal. So if God lets them back into the garden, they eat of the tree of life like he mentions, guess what happens to you and me? There is no chance for redemption. Our fate is sealed. It is now eternal damnation, period. Gone. But because God in his grace and his love says you cannot go back into the garden and eat of the tree of life, I'm going to provide a way for you to come and return to the tree of life, but it's going to be through one, my son, Jesus Christ, that you might have eternal life in him. That is the best news ever, is it not? And so he puts a cherubim at the, at, at the front of, the, or the east side of the garden. The cherubim represents what? The presence of God. Read through the Old Testament. Cherubim are always at the presence of God. And so he places one, and he says, here's my presence. It's back here. It's right here. And then he puts a flaming sword back and forth, which represents the wrath of God that is coming. And he says, if you were to walk in, the cherubim are guarding, but the sword is also what? Flaming. He says, but you can't go back in because guess what I'm going to do? There's redemption coming. There's restoration coming because my son, Jesus Christ, he is going to be the one who enters my presence and then he's going to be one that absorbs the wrath of God for you on a cross. So you might, what, eat from the tree of life. Let's finish with this. Revelation 22, let's finish with it. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Anybody catch that? Anybody notice that? What happened to the tree of life in the garden? It's coming. Eternity. And he says this, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any kind of fall or curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, presence, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Anybody else looking forward to it? I can't wait for it. can't wait for it. That one day you and I will eat from the tree of life again. It'll be for eternity. So I want the band to come up and we're going to sing a song. And I'll be honest with you, I, I saw the song on the list earlier in the week. I know Travis has been wanting to do this song for a while now. And as I was thinking about this song, I'm like, holy smokes. This song is what? Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration all over it all over this song. Band, you can come on up. Come on up. And here's what it is. I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe God has created a marriage, and maybe you're experiencing turbulence, which is the fall. And I believe, I really do, I believe that God desires redemption in your marriage and a restoration of things that were before. For some of you, it's sin. For some of you, it's pornography. For some of you, it's gambling. For some of you, it's lying over and over and over. For some of you, it's cheating. For some of you, I don't know what it is, but you have fallen. And God is saying this morning, I love to make beautiful things out of the fall. 
I love to. Because I'm a God of redemption. I love to redeem the things that are broken, the things that are, are worthless to everyone else. I love to redeem those things. God wants to redeem you this morning. He wants to restore things. He wants to, to, to create things in my life that look more and more like Jesus. That's what he wants to do. So we're going to sing this together. I'll be honest with you, I was trying to debate on this. I think I'm just going to have you sit this morning and sing this song. I want you to reflect on it. Maybe some of you just need to pray right now. Some of you need to sing it. Some of you need to reflect on these words. But God is making beautiful things because he is a God of redemption and restoration from the fall. He's recreating us. So let's sing this song with all that we have. Father, we come to you right now. We ask that next few moments as we sing this out to you. That, Lord, we understand that you are making beautiful things out of us. You are making beautiful things out of dust. Some of us right now, we feel like our lives are meaningless. There's no purpose. And yet, Father, we see from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 that you have a purpose for our lives. That we might glorify you. We might lift you up. We might look more and more like your son Jesus even this morning. I pray that, Lord, you would do your work inside of each one of us as we sing this out to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.